The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of Aussie-made on-demand videos to help you look to God daily. Be challenged by a series of apologetic interviews produced by Creation Ministries International and inspired by Helping Hands, which showcases people and organisations who make the world a better place. There are new videos being added every week in the free Vision Christian Media app. Just tap the Watch tab to see the growing selection. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The Bible says if you're going to make it, you're going to have to have friends. And welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Jeff's message is relation drought. He shares about an unlikely friendship story from the Bible, that of David and Jonathan, to demonstrate the gift of friendship and its importance. And I want you to hear this very carefully. The Bible says, through the book of Proverbs, you will not lead a wise, productive, fruitful, and abundant life unless you are really good at choosing, forging, and keeping terrific friendships. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, but I want to give you a little warning. I'm going to be flying through some particular passages because we're looking more at a theme right now, and it's multiple verses through multiple chapters of the book of Proverbs. We've been in a series called Drought, and we've said that there are some areas of our lives that when uh, it's dry, when it feels like a desert, they impact every other area of life and living. So if things aren't going well in our marriage or with our kids or with our job or with God, if there's a spiritual drought, a soul drought, it just seems to put a damper on everything else in living life. And so we're asking the, the question of how can we get the living water that is supposed to be springing up within us, how can we get that living water in us so that we can go back to living the abundant life that Christ came to bring? Now, I'm on the stool because uh, this, this is a, a, an issue very close to my heart, and I want to make sure that we have a conversation here. Uh, I, I do want to more talking with you rather than preaching at you. I try not to do that. I hate that. I mean, I hate to be preached at, so I'm assuming you don't like it either. And so I want it to be more conversational. And I want to start like this before we get into Proverbs, before I give away what we're actually doing, is that life, uh, life is tough sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it's pretty tough. Right here in this room, I guarantee there's some people that are in great, great pain of something that they're experiencing in life, and they're just going to hide it, and they're going to come, and they're going to participate, but there's a real emptiness. Uh, A lot of people will go through their life and never mention it to anybody else. They'll just live with a sense of quiet desperation. I find that especially true among women. Uh, There's a deep emotional connection they have with themselves, with their friends, with the world, but There's a lot who live with quiet desperation, who never really are able to say what they want to say because they're not sure anyone's listening. And uh, that's that's life. At the same time, am I not right in saying that life is filled with joy as well? There's so many good things along the way, even in the midst of difficult times. Uh, You know, I think of little things like chocolate. You know, I've mentioned that a lot, but I really like chocolate. Dark chocolate, I I really like it. Just so you know, if you ever want to give me some. (laughs) And uh, I, think, I think of things, little things like, you know, vacation times are great. And, you know, summer's coming up and some of you are probably looking forward to that. You're going to take some time away and maybe walk on a beach. 
or maybe go to the mountains. I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, you know, I've got a dream. I, I want to go to uh, uh, Lake Tahoe. I've never been, and I really want to go sometime. The older I get, the busier I get, so I'm not sure that's ever going to happen, but I'd really like to go. And it's not just because of the, the clear crystal lake. It's because of the golf courses that I've read about there. I'd really like to go and play them. So I'd like to go in the summertime, not the wintertime. Uh, then there are other things. There are other things other than just, it gets a little bit more serious. Like I did a wedding two weeks ago in Savannah, Georgia. And I looked at all these young girls and this, this young new life and their future and the, the pride of their parents. And I thought, man, here we go again, another generation of experiencing the goodness of intimacy and relationship, friendship, marriage. I think of little Callie. Uh, Corrine and uh, Mike Krikus had a... Uh, Wanted to have children for the longest time and, and for some reason found it difficult. And then God gave them this beautiful gift in Cali. When they bring her in, she just kind of lights up the office and everybody comes around and talks baby talk. Uh, and then of course, uh, uh, Brian Davis has been with us with a while. So, uh, for a while. So Berkeley Davis, his little child will come in. He, it's not too long ago that Brian just wanted a, a, a girlfriend and now he's married and got a kid and they brought Berkeley in and I, I rehearsed my message for the weekend and this is what happened. And, uh, <laughs> Just put her right to sleep. If you're suffering from insomnia, we give away free sermon CDs at the back. Put your right out. And then, uh, and then, then, then there's another story. There's little David Hancock, uh, Erica Malene Hancock, our friends of mine are in our rooted group. And they, I've never met someone who wanted a child as badly as Malene. And somehow along the way, I guess she heard the message from God that maybe instead of trying to conceive that to go rescue a child. And she did. She went to not just any child, but a child that was fighting for his life. And she has become his mother and little David now. And I'm sure she'll turn him into a Cubs fan. Maybe that, that might be a good thing in the future. Uh, my how things change. I, as I thought about her story and, and watched the photos that were sent across of little David, I thought of, there's a great book. And, and if you're a lady in the audience and you've never read this, this is one you want to read. It's called Saving Graces by Patricia Gaffney. It's a fantastic book that traces four friends and through their lives. And when one of the friends dies, she leaves a letter for the other three to read. They were very close. And she addresses a segment of the letter to her friend Lee and Lee and her husband, Henry, had been trying to have a child, and then they gave up. And here's what she says in the letter that she wrote that was to be read after her death. She says, a little time has passed since you and Henry gave up trying to have a baby of your own. Morning time, she says. Then she says, but now, Lee, you ought to be able to see more clearly. Do you know there's a child looking for you? I tried to tell you that, but I didn't say it right. I won't tell you how I know, but I do know, and you have to find him. And when you do, and you will... You have to love him with all your heart, and you will. And that's what we see happening with Malene as she found this little boy, David, and now she's giving her heart and soul. Life has its challenges, I know, I know, but, but there's so many joys along the way. Some joys are natural, they just happen. Other joys we kind of make for ourselves when we realize maybe it's not about me, maybe it's about somebody else. And then there's this joy of be, being able to give life. Isn't it amazing? It is true that as you get older, you get more joy from giving and seeing the look on somebody's face when they receive the gift than you do actually receiving. That's called maturity. And if it never happens to you, you haven't grown up yet. God knows that life is hard. He doesn't give you a full explanation of it because you're not God. Perhaps if he did, you wouldn't get it anyway. Like a parent who tells a child, you can't have that ice cream now because it'll ruin your appetite. You know, when you're two years old, you don't even know what appetite is. You just want ice cream. 
He does say, trust in God, trust also in me. Trust that salvation is coming and trust that anything you lose on this earth will replace to an infinitely greater degree. Trust that. But it's not like he leaves us. The Bible says he never leaves us. And I want you to hear this very carefully. The Bible says something through the book of Proverbs that I've written down word for word. You will not lead a wise, productive, fruitful, and abundant life unless you are really good at choosing, forging, and keeping terrific friendships. Let me read that again. You will not lead a wise, productive, fruitful, and abundant life unless you are really good at choosing, forging, and keeping terrific friendships. The Bible says if you're going to make it, you're going to have to have friends. Now, we're not talking about companions. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man, has many, a man of many companions, notice the plurality, may come to ruin. So just because you have a lot of people around you, companions, doesn't mean you're not going to come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Notice the companions are plural, but the friend is one. And anybody who's lived life long knows that you'll be blessed if you're able to gain one or two friends, real friends, your entire life. But the Bible says you better have them. You need them. It's a gift from God, and you won't survive without them. Now, according to the Bible, companions and friends are different. They're different people. They're, they're, they're different. And the first difference is this. In Proverbs 27, 9, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Notice the word pleasant. Do you know it's the word for sweetness? So he's saying that a friend is like chocolate. (laughs) A friend is like banana pudding. That's my second favorite dessert. If any of you want to make some and put a little thing on it. And then sweet tea. Now I'm from the South, so it's like sweet tea. Sweet tea. Tea should never be consumed without sugar. (laughs) The problem is when this was written... They had not yet discovered sugar or how to sweeten things. If you tasted something sweet, you discovered it. Today, we can sweeten anything, man, with anything, chemicals or sugar. But back then, a sweet food was discovered, not made or created. There's a message here because a true friend you can't force. You don't create them. They're simply discovered. Suddenly you discover that you have an affinity for this person that you can't explain. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, here's how true friendships start. You looked at him and you say, wow, you think that way too? Wow, you like mayonnaise sandwiches too? Wow, you like snails too? Wow, you think Trump is a goofball too? I didn't say he was. I said, you th- or you think Clinton is a crook too? I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm just both sides, both sides. I'm not saying anything about anybody. I'm just saying both sides. You'll find somebody like you. Now, don't misinterpret what I just said. That was not a political statement. I just said some people are looking for people who think like them. That's all I'm saying. And suddenly you think, man, you think like I do. We're the same. And there's an affinity that's a created or not created, but just happens. C.S. Lewis says it this way. And when I first read it, I thought, man, that is rude. But then I started thinking about it. He says, that's why those pathetic people who simply want to make friends cannot. Because the very condition of having friends is that you want something else besides friendship. Someone asks you, hey, do you see the same truth I do? And you say, I don't really care about that. I just want you to be my friend. C.S. Lewis says that person will not make a friend. Because there would be nothing that the friendship would be about. And then he says, those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. 
The true friends that I've had in my life, and as I read Proverbs again, I discovered that I've really only had two like this. But I didn't force them. My friendship with Tony Bennett was never forced. I didn't walk up to him and say, hey, you are an NBA player. Can I be your friend? Would you be my friend? Can you come outside and play? You know, No, it just happened because we had things in common. Golf, God, greatness, the pursuit of it. And suddenly we just realized we like each other. This is Today with Jeff Vines. His message is called Relation Drought. Thanks for joining us. Let's continue. If friendships are essential to living life to its fullness, but yet you can't forge them, you can't force them, what do we do? In fact, Proverbs says that fools perish for either a lack of friends or poorly chosen ones. (laughs) What do we do? There are steps to this. It's profound in the way it's delivered in the wisdom books of the Old Testament. And I think some of you are going to have your eyes open to the reality that what I'm about to say, you thought you had a friend and you didn't. You just simply had acquaintances. Now, there's nothing wrong with acquaintances. You understand that. My biggest fear of preaching this message would everybody go out and say, you're not really my friend. I just found out what a friend was. You're not it. And then you got nobody. Okay, don't do that. Acquaintances are okay too, but they're not going to fill your heart like a friend will. So here's what the book of Proverbs tells you a friend is. And that's your first step. Open your eyes. One, allegiance and availability. The Bible says a friend loves at all times. Now, does that mean that you spend all your time with your friend? No, because Proverbs 25, 17 says, seldom set your foot in your neighbor's house too much of you. They'll hate you. (laughs) Everybody knows what that means, don't they? Everybody. A friend loves at all times means that he loves you or she loves you in all kinds of times. Not only when you're happy, but when you're sad. Not only when you're wealthy, but when you're poor. Not only when you're doing well, but when you're struggling. A true friend, it doesn't matter what kind of time it is, good, bad, ordinary, mundane, routine, they're with you. They're not fair weather. There's no such thing as that kind of friend. They're with you. There's an allegiance to you and availability to you. You cannot have one without the other and be a true friend. You'll have friends that are available to you. They'll be there when you need them, but they're not, a, they're not faithful to you in, in the sense that when you're not around and somebody else starts to degrade, somebody starts to, to maliciously slander you, they're not going to take up for you. See, a true friend does both. They're available, but they also defend you when you're not around. See, if, if they're only the kind of friend that's available to you, then you're going to get suspicious. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just want me as a means to your end. You're with me because you think I can help you some way. That's why you're with me all the time. And you do things for me, not because you really like me as your friend, but because you think you're going to get something from me. But the friend that you discover defends you when you're not around. Now you got a friend. you got somebody that's available and somebody that you can trust. And I know that as a pastor. I'm always suspicious, and so should you be. When somebody wants to be around me a lot, I always ask why. Why? But if I hear that they're defending me when I'm not around, then I know I've got a true friend. My friend Mike, do you remember the floods of Glendora not too long ago and everybody had to go and put sandbags around their houses in the back, especially if you lived up against the foothills? And I remember uh, Mike and I had played around the golf and I said, hey, Mike, hey, if you need me, call me. And it dawned on me, that's not a true friend. A true friend doesn't say, if you need me, call me. A true friend is just there. They're just there. They're present. They love you in proximity. Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Look at it. A true friend, he says, will never let you go to ruin. He gets his hands dirty. 
Acquaintances will encourage you from a distance. Hey, hope you're doing well. Have a good day. But a true friend, man, is right there beside you making sure that you don't fail, that you don't go to ruin. Now, this is not rocket science to any of you I know. You know that some of your best friends, you know that when you go through something difficult in your life, you find out who really loves you. I have two coaches. I thought both of them were my friends. I learned that one was my friend and one was simply an acquaintance. Acquaintances are okay. When my mom died, I discovered who was who. The one coach didn't come around to the funeral, didn't come around to ask me how I was doing because my sadness inconvenienced his routine. But the one coach sat with me through everything. Never left my side, was there when my mom was ill, was in the hospital. Three o'clock in the morning, everybody was gone. Even my dad, he was still there. And when we lowered my mom into the ground, he was right there beside me. And there the next day asking me how I'm doing. And two weeks later, how things going. There's a difference, and we all know what that difference is. In fact, this is going to be hurtful to some degree, but if we're honest with ourselves, you know people, and people know you, in a large degree, because they're useful to you. And quite frankly, the more wealth you have, the more you've got to watch this. Most of the people we want to be friends with, we want to be friends with not because we have a, a, an affinity for them, but because we believe they can help us achieve an agenda of some sort. Right? So people want to be our friends because we're in good social circles, and they want to run in those social circles. Sometimes people want to be friends with us because... They think, man, if I ever have a need, this guy's got a lot of money, he'll help me. And it's not because they really love you, it's because they just think that you can help them. And those are acquaintances and they're not bad because you do the same thing to them. We do it to each other. Sometimes it's like, hey, I want to be with this person because I like the way they party. Now, I'm I'm assuming it's a good party type, right? And it's Christian party type. And you're saying, hey, I like this guy because I, you know, he's fun to hang around with. He's fun to go to games with, Dodger games, Angel games, Kings games, whatever. I like that. But there's always something we're getting from each other in acquaintances and acquaintances are okay. As a matter of fact, sometimes I've known people to be friends with somebody who they think is a bigger loser than they are. So they feel good about themselves. I'm sorry, but it is just the truth. So I'm going to befriend this person because they're an incredible loser. And when I'm around them, I feel more important. It's winning by distinction. Number one, allegiance and availability. Number two, attentiveness. Now look at Proverbs 26, 18. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. What is this passage? Who's the madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death? He's a crazy man. And he deceives his neighbor and he says, I'm only joking. Now, here's what this means. This is important to friendship, believe it or not. This is talking about an emotional disconnection. Have you ever told a joke and nobody laughed? Have you ever heard a joke that everybody laughed but you because it hit too close to home? I've done that many times, especially when I was younger. I remember when I was in my mid-twenties, I asked a lady, how far along are you in your pregnancy? And she wasn't pregnant. You can never recover from that. Never. That's it. That that friendship is over. I remember standing outside uh, of a church building in East Tennessee talking to three elders' wives, one wife per elder. And... uh, And we were just kind of talking about husbands and how much trouble they were. And I just said, hey, you know, well, I've heard somebody say that the only good husband is a dead husband. And one of the ladies had just lost her husband like a week before. Now, now that wasn't mean because I didn't know. And I didn't know because I was emotionally disconnected. Okay. When you're emotionally disconnected from somebody, you don't really know what they're going through. There's a superficial shallowness in your relationship, but you don't really know who they are. 
So you're not wise in the things that you say. Proverbs 25, 20, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. You're so out of touch with somebody, you don't realize they're hurting and you're partying. That's not a friend. That's an acquaintance. So you're celebrating when your friend needs consolation and you do so because you're emotionally disconnected. Now, I thought that when my children left home, I mean, celebration time. I've already, I'm, I mean, I'm 51 and I already got empty nest. And it's fantastic to a degree. I thought, kids, I love you, get out. You know, I want my room back, I want my life back. And, and there is a part that I really love that, and I'm close to my kids. But here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Is that you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. And a true friend has such an emotional connection with you that when they're sad, when you're sad, so are they. I mean, real sad. It's not, it's not a fake sad. It's not a manipulated sadness. When they see that you're sad, their love for you is so deep, they're sad. When, when you're happy, they're happy. When your life is going well, their life is going well. And they want to see you flourish because they can't flourish unless you're flourishing. The Bible in the book of Proverbs says that is how you know you have a friend. They hurt when you hurt, rejoice when you rejoice. And when you're not doing well, they know why and they know what to do about it. Wow. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're halfway through the message Relation Drought. Please join us next time to hear part two. To hear more right now, you can head to the Vision Christian Store. That's visionstore.org.au and click on Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.